Answers to Wishing. This episode has been sponsored by. And whilst you're at it, check them out. They do primary and secondary mathematics mastery for ages 6 to 18. Where you can book a free assessment on the website www.answerstuition.co.uk. They have several branches within Harsden, Kilburn, Southall, but they also do it online and home. So yeah, check them out. Another 4 in 1 podcast today. I'm your host, Ali. We've got my co-host, Rio. And our guest today is Mohammed. Mohammed's going to help us talk about gemstones. He's going to explain it to us. He's going to help us understand what they are, how come they're so valuable, and hopefully we're going to learn or get an idea of how to get into the market and possibly trade gemstones ourselves. Mohammed, can you tell me, please, what makes a gemstone valuable and where does it all come from? Yeah, those are really good questions and uh, hopefully I'll try my best to answer and, and give a little bit of insight. So first question is, uh, what makes a gemstone? What makes a material a gemstone? And uh, uh, the attributes that we're looking that consist uh, of something being a gemstone is, first thing is beauty. All well, the beauty is subjective. That's a really important thing. Um, durability, you want something that can, can last and uh, have decent level of wear and tear. You can keep in a ring, you can knock it around. Uh, rarity is probably the most important thing. And desirability, uh, is it sought after? Do people want it? Is it something that's desirable to a large uh, style of uh, number of people? Uh, and uh, just to go back a little bit on beauty, there's a certain categories of things that would be considered beautiful. Uh, that would be cut, shape, color, and transparency, and something called luster. Is it, is it uh, I think that... Uh, People would like, refer to it as bling, maybe. How, how much it shines, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So you'd see that person and they're shining from afar, they'll catch your eye. So luster is a technical term, but that, those are the things that we look for. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you said that as, uh, you, you touched on uh, one thing, you said, um, what was it called? Um, the durability of it. Uh-huh. Am I correct in saying that diamonds can cut through glass? Yeah, so there's a scale, like on a technical level, there's a scale called the Mohs scale of hardness, okay. a scale that's one to 10. And you're, you're right in saying, mentioning diamonds. So diamonds are the toughest material in the world. So they usually use uh, diamond drills or diamond saw bits to cut through anything because uh, the way carbon is composed or constructed in a diamond makes it almost impossible to, to scratch. So diamond can scratch everything else. Nothing can scratch diamond. It makes sense. It still can break. It does have a cleavage point. So if you hit it at the right angle, it would shatter. But uh, if you wanted to, if you had a ring, nothing could scratch a diamond ring. So that's why diamonds are probably more sought after than many other gemstones. On the most scale of hardness is the most hard. So it's 10. So 10 in terms of durability and hardness for diamonds, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so what attributes make materials a, a gemstone? Uh, so... Uh, it's essentially there's there's no like hard line definition something we were talking before we went on the podcast there's some organic materials that are considered desirable uh, like ivory and uh, even ebony um, but they're not necessarily your traditional definition of gemstones I would say overall uh, society would construct uh, two categories as precious gemstones and then semi-precious gemstones those maybe don't adhere as much uh uh, anymore, but they would be split into two categories. So the precious gemstones are the ones that everybody has heard of. 
the diamonds are considered the king of gemstones, rubies, sapphires, emeralds. Those are like the most important. Then you've got semi-precious gemstones, uh, usually rocks uh, for to find like a really easy way to describe it. They're generally rocks as opposed to organic material. So they last very long. You've got organic material like uh, amber, which is tree resin. They do wear away. They scratch a bit easier. So they're not as precious as uh, semi-precious or precious gemstones. So you've got the precious, and then we can talk about some semi-precious gemstones, which you would find that are more rare and uh, more desirable and have more value than a diamond or an emerald or a sapphire, but they're just less known and less marketed. I believe, yeah, the queen, um, her actual crown and stuff, she's got like green sapphires. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the one, the, yeah. That's it. Uh, yeah, so uh, some of the show notes that I've written is, uh, uh, yeah, gemstones are some of the rarest and most desirable materials on earth. The reason why they're important is uh, they've played a really big part in, in our human civilization. Um, both economically, politically, in religion, in fashion. Uh, yeah, people possess uh, these, these materials and they use them as a, a show of wealth and a show of power. So when you're the queen or when you're a ruler in a local area, if you have the biggest gemstones or you have the most valuable thing, people kind of know I'm mm. important around mm. here. My, my jewels are bigger than yours, so please yeah. know your place. Uh, yeah, she has, a, she has a number of gemstones in there. There's a funny story. If uh, you allow me to have a little bit of a sidetrack, there's a red stone uh, if you go to tower of london where they keep the crown jewels for the longest period of time they thought it was a ruby and uh only recently maybe in the last 50 60 years they discovered that this wasn't a ruby it's something called a spinel they look very similar they're both red uh and it was thought for for many hundreds of years to be the biggest ruby in the world but it wasn't even a ruby so that's a, a mm. random anecdote for you to keep uh, keep to the side if it brings you any use yeah she was starting hard with a fake ruby <laughs> you said sorry to break but take it back a bit you said that diamonds are made of carbon carbon yeah the chemical composition is carbon uh, so is that essentially could we may be made into diamonds then because we're carbon aren't we yeah, there was a uh, random, like, unrelated story. I didn't think I'd be bringing this up today, but what the hell? Um, there was a, a really famous uh, American uh, industrialist from the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. His son died at a young age. Uh, they have a custom where they cremate people. So he cremated him, took his uh, ashes, yeah. uh, put it in, like, a chamber where they pressurize it. They, they uh, kind of try to recreate the Earth's natural processes, and they, he made a diamond ring out of his son actually so that is possible technically okay wow 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 you learn something every day where was it in america yeah 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 americans always the most ostentatious but yeah yeah. so okay so 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 technically uh, diamonds are made of dead 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 animals uh going back probably like uh yeah anything with carbon in it so uh wood uh any 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 pieces like chalk there's essentially no difference between graphite diamond charcoal they're essentially the same the same chemical mm. composition mm. what makes a diamond a diamond is just the way those carbon atoms are arranged aligned exactly if they're aligned in a particular way really dense it comes uh, it becomes a diamond and uh, there's natural diamonds that these are made over hundreds and hundreds of millions of years through intense like pressure and heat mm. but uh, through modern technology that's something that we can do now we have uh, lab made diamonds that you can't tell the difference if you had a diamond tester; they will come out the same. So, yeah, there's something that you can so, create. So, so that's called a moissanite, something like that. Am I correct? Moissanite, moissanite really look like diamond. They are fake diamonds. Fake in the diamonds, sense that they're yeah. not diamonds, but they are 
diamonds that you can make in the lab that are legitimately real diamonds. Uh, later on, I can show you guys a moissanite. I think I might have one with me. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So diamonds are distinct. They have uh, uh, that bling factor where they really, really, really do shine. So any light that goes back into it, 98% of the light will be shining back and uh, it comes back in like a different colors as well. So it catches your eye. So, so what's the difference between colored gemstones then? So colored gemstones are, believe it or not, uh, diamonds also come in other colors. They're not just clear and see-through as a matter of mm. fact. Red diamonds are probably the most rare materials in the world. So they are becoming more and more valuable to find other colored gemstones. Uh, when I talk, uh, I myself am particularly interested in the gemstone industry as a whole and colored gemstones. Uh, so these are now your emeralds, sapphires, rubies, and there's over 200 other types of gemstones that people uh, may or may not know of and uh I find that interesting from a technical level. Yeah, but it's all, all, all the hype's about, about around diamonds. So, yeah, so exactly. I understand that people don't know. Or, exactly. And, and that hype is uh, something that is uh, not by chance. It's something that's... Uh, manufactured. Manufactured. And uh, you guys were... If, if you have uh, regular listeners, you listened to the previous episode on uh, social media influences. That's something that has played a really big part in, in the role of diamonds and uh, how they became the most sought after. It's a, it's a bit of a... Uh, myth around them they're mm. relatively common in comparison to other uh, materials but their demand for them is high and uh, uh, please if you have any questions step in otherwise I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> no yeah I'm intrigued uh, yeah I am intrigued but um, uh, coming back to when you were saying diamonds are a rare thing mm-hmm. I heard yes that a I don't know if they're a jeweler a jeweler, a jeweler yes. I'm not going to name them uh, no, I'll name them if you don't want to name they're, they're relatively big yeah, yeah. They're, they're relatively big and I heard that they're stockpiling diamonds in warehouses to keep up the facade of rarity so that they can keep their prices up is that true? that is true and uh, uh, I don't know if we, we should name them but there is a famous South African company if you go down to New Bond Street you'll see a big branch over there if you're ever getting engaged you'll probably pop into one of their stores mm-hmm. Um so diamonds weren't as common as they are now. So countries that uh, they're produced on large scale are South Africa, Botswana, uh, some in Russia and some in Canada. Uh, unlike other gemstones, diamonds uh, are essentially controlled. The entirety of the world supply is maybe controlled by like two or three companies. Mm. And the aforementioned company is, uh, they stockpile them. And uh, in the 1800s, they went to... Uh, a wonderful continent of Africa and uh, discovered a really, really, really big uh, diamond mine in South Africa. I think it's called the Canary Diamond Mine. And they started producing such amazing quality of diamonds at such a frequency that they were a bit surprised. And it's like, okay, uh, when there's a higher supply, you would suggest... Yeah, the price goes down. The the price would go down. Mm, It's not as rare anymore. Exactly. So there's control in the market. And uh, that would affect their bottom line. So what did they do? Because historically, like uh, in in Western civilization or in Western culture, like... uh, you find a very nice young lady, you want to marry her. There's this myth where if he takes you seriously, he'll propose to you on one knee and uh, a give, you, give you a diamond. And there's even like a, a formula. It's like if he really loves you, he would save three or four months of his salary to get that diamond ring. Yeah. So th- this is uh, in people's yeah, head psychologically. Yeah, yeah. And this isn't by accident. So in the 1800s, uh, I think I'm going to m- mention the name, please. Uh, let me know if I can, if I can't. De Beers. De Beers is the company. Some of you may have heard of it, some of you not. Um, they collaborated with a, with a, a, a New York uh, agency to now uh, change the perception because 
prior to diamonds, engagement rings were always... Uh, gold band s- or gold. silver band or something. Those are more uh, for marriage, but for engagement, uh, they, use, they used sapphire. So even if you look at the royal family, oh. Diana's engagement ring that uh, Prince William gave to uh, his wife before, before they got married was belonged to the queen before that. Mm. They were always uh, sapphire. So sapphires were seen as the traditional engagement ring. How did that change? Like how did De Beers now... They have this huge supply, but they want the demand to go up because the mm-hmm. demand wasn't there. So they collaborated with uh, with a certain agency, and uh, they that agency knew that the social media influencers at the time were these Hollywood actors. So they collaborated with Hollywood actors and Hollywood studios to drill into people's heads that if your man loves you, he would get you a diamond, and that young men you strive. They literally did uh, presentations in high schools throughout the country. Uh, to drill into young men's heads that uh, you shouldn't, and young women, you shouldn't accept anything less than a diamond. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. It's probably one of the the most uh, well-known catchphrases and mm. slogans. I'm not uh, a marketing expert by any means. Of the Diamonds are forever. <laughs> Diamonds are forever. So these things are, they stay in people's heads. So De Beers were uh, manufacturing that hype mm. to make sure that the demand was high because in Europe and in Asia, Diamonds were being used as early as a thousand years ago. They, they came into the European market maybe in the 1400s through India, but they weren't as popular here. Mm. America really became a huge market for, for they, they became the world superpower in the, in the 1900s. Um, and that's where their marketing uh, started to focus because they have all these diamonds. We need to market it in a new way. And uh, things popped off from there. Now everybody uh, requests so they, a diamond. Uh, they created they, a demand. They created a demand. And unlike other gemstones, diamond mines are concentrated. So there's only three or four diamond mines in, in the world that produce high quality diamonds and they're controlled by like two or three companies. It's like oil. Huge deposits are found in a few places as opposed to my favorite. I have a bias for it, color gemstones where uh, they're dotted hundreds and hundreds of small mines dotted uh, around the world, even in one country. There's no one individual mm. that can control any particular type of uh, gemstone, color gemstone, as opposed to diamonds. It's a monopoly. That's crazy. So within that monopoly, yes. how many black individuals are eating from it? I would say. Those in companies almost, and stuff. Or? Almost zero, almost zero. I'll try not to veer off too much into the politics of it, but uh, maybe I notice it more because I'm interested in this uh, as as a hobby, a potential, potential like a employment opportunity for me in the future. In South Africa, you have the same British colonialists who own the same mines uh, and the locals essentially are paid minimum wage, put into a dangerous situation. So locals don't profit that much. The corporations would pay the government under the table. So they don't even take that much for tax money as long as a little cut goes into their pocket. So locals don't prosper that much. It's something that goes to the West. Some of the biggest gem cutting facilities, diamond cutting facilities are in Belgium. They're not in the, in the countries of origin. It's like all the parts for your iPhone come from Congo and from Africa but they're not assembled there. Same for cars. It's the same for the gemstone industry. And I hope that's something that will change mm, the decades yeah. to come. So 70% of the world's emeralds come from Colombia. Hold on, hold on. And then 65% of the world's diamonds come from Africa. Why are these some of the poorest nations in the world then? Yes, uh, it's, it's a very good question. And uh, essentially the, the economics of it is they get them there for cheap. Yeah, and it's uh, uncut and unprocessed. So they would get raw materials. Mm-hmm. They would export those raw materials 
to developed countries. Like if uh, we're talking about just the diamond industries in general, uh, I would mine a diamond in South Africa. What I, as a South African government, if I was in charge, I would make them cut the diamonds there, add value, and then export. So you're exporting for more, creating, mm. cutting jobs, manufacturing jobs in the country internally. Even jewelers, they should now be expos and people around the world should be able to travel there to pick up your colored gemstones in, in the native countries. But unfortunately, this isn't, this isn't the case. So they are exported to Belgium and they have massive cutting facilities in Belgium, in India, in Thailand, where the local populace are not trained to identify. They're not trained on the prices and they're not trained on the cutting where they can add value to themselves. So as opposed to selling like a, a rough crystal for $50, that $50 can be cut is a relatively straightforward process don't have to be well educated and sold for $5,000. So you see the $50 and the $5,000 mm. is a big discrepancy. Mm. Something that our African leaders need to definitely do more to educate. Do you think it's, 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 it's a issue of uh, monopolization, ignorance, or just both of them playing together? Uh, I think it's... Because uh, it's not just by chance, like you're saying, that there's no, there's no diamond cars in Africa. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's a slightly what you mentioned, but I will be a bit more realistic in the sense that I don't think there's like some grand scheme where people are plotting against it. I would say generally, but from 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 my perspective, I can talk more about color gemstones and diamonds in particular because it's uh, less of a monopoly. Uh, the industry is relatively young in Africa, so most African countries gained independence in the 1960s, as opposed to in Colombia, in Russia, in India, they've and even in Egypt and North Africa, they've been mining these resources for thousands of years so they have an expertise and their markets there that are well developed uh, yourself if you wanted to go and buy a ruby you know that the best rubies come from uh, you would go to Myanmar you would go to Thailand because the markets are there so in good time I hope with proper planning things will develop so it's a, it's a combination of lack of investment of course without a shadow of a doubt uh, people need to go back and invest at a commercial level and also the governments need to train their people but also it's a relative it's a very 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 new industry so colombia is 60 percent, but those are like old mines there's new mines in zambia that can outstrip colombia really okay comfortably so it's, it's developing yeah. so there's a lot more resources for sure so how big is the industry then financially financially color gemstone industry i talk more about that because that's where my knowledge base lies uh, i believe in the last year uh, despite a pandemic, it's uh, contributed, I think it's uh, 19 to $20 billion um, to the retail industry. So that's color gemstones, diamonds, sapphires, rubies, amethyst. They contribute around $20 billion. Uh, something that I came across is it's even despite like a slow economic turn, it's growing 5% year on year. And uh, so there's still much, much more room to grow as more people become more familiar. Hopefully this uh, this episode has introduced you to, to other gemstones other than diamonds that are definitely more desirable. You go to your local supermarket, maybe not supermarket, but your mall, <laughs> uh, Westfield, and walk into the store, have a look and learn a little bit more. Yeah. Now, talking about learn a little bit more. Of course. Yeah. The people that I've spoken to that's really inf- invested and know a lot about gemstones and crystals, and they normally go to the side of... Um, finding healing qualities or later down the line they're, they're going to um, become witches or witchcraft or there's oh. many different aspects of it mm. are you familiar with that not so much i mean i can give you a few anecdotes of some examples i know myself uh, that we, we learned uh, while i was doing a few of my courses and reading some of my books is indeed uh, they do like 
gemstones as a whole have played like a really big part in uh, in religious and ritual ceremonies. Uh, the healing factors have also uh, become quite popular. It's like a trendy thing where you see like uh, hipster white girls be like wearing like little amethyst crystals, and it's yeah. not a processed gem, but it's like a it's a something that's natural that comes from the ground. As far as I'm aware, I hate to to, to break anybody's uh, uh, beliefs, but I don't really think it adds that much. But if it gives you a nice uh, foundation to, to to get you through the day, by all means. Uh, so I give you an example, like. Um, there's a particular gemstone that uh, it's called nephrite or jade. Jade. It's, mm-hmm. it's a green yeah, stone, and uh, jade is particularly popular in in China. So much so that uh, uh, the really bright green jade, it's called imperial jade, that was reserved for the aristocracy only. So nobody else could wear jade except members of the royal family. So obviously, there's no royal family in China anymore, but that still holds a really significant part to their religious and that subconscious. And yeah, so. Well, unlike in Europe where and in Asia and in Africa where gold is an important ceremonial thing in weddings uh, in uh, in gift customs and stuff like that uh, in in East Asia they wear bangles so they would wear really expensive jade bangles and uh, when I sat down and asked them well, do you still but it's like it protects me from evil and uh, jade is uh, in terms of cleavage not cleavage uh, as we commonly know it mm. we talked about hardness where diamonds are hard to scratch cleavage means it's hard to break so if you chip at it from a particular angle it still won't break so jade is particularly hard so in that culture it ward, wards off uh, evil presence and they believe that if your jade bangle or your jade necklace or jade bead cracks then you've been protected from you've avoided death in a particular way so that's an example of like well, ceremonial I, I, can, I can see where that, where, that, where that thought comes from from what you're saying if, if, they, if they know that that jade is one of the hardest materials well, yeah, there, yeah. and it breaks then it must be a supernatural cause then exactly. if, if it's broken so I can see where, where, I can see it from their angle yeah. yes I understand so have you have you come across any other stories about uh, stuff like that well, I mean there's so many that uh, wars have been fought over diamonds for example uh, our, our head of state the queen uh, another gemstone that's uh, in the crown jewels is a really big diamond it's called the Kohinoor which is uh, uh, if we have any Asian listeners is, was um, I think Previous to, uh, I think they discovered a few diamonds from South Africa, but for hundreds of years was the largest gems diamond in the world, and that's in the crown jewels. Uh, that belonged to the uh, Mughal dynasty in India. And when the Mughal dynasty collapsed, then it went to our Sikh brothers in the Sikh dynasty, and that was in their crown jewels. When the British came, they, the young prince, was father died. And what they did is they essentially... Uh, there's no other way to put this. I might as well just put it as bluntly as possible. They kidnapped him, took him to England, and they raised him as their own. So oh, he grew okay. up becoming a, an English gentleman detached from his roots because they knew this guy had a significant amount of power through his bloodline. And while he was a child, they got him to sign away and sell the most valuable gemstone in probably Mughal and uh, Indian history. And now there's contentions that are going on about that where they took that giant gemstone that diamond they cut it into and uh so there's still that historical bitterness from the punjabi community particularly mm. the uh, people who come from where the moguls moguls are the muslim rulers of india they also have an attachment to the stone but somehow it's now in the crown jewels of the uh Longs, yeah. the, 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 england. To, to england exactly so uh yeah they, they for wars have been fought over them a lot of blood has been spilled they have uh, ceremonial uh, uh significance and also cultural value 
coming back to the the whole logistics of um, uh, getting a gemstone or uh, uh, buying it and selling it, how would that work? I mean, could I go out there now? For example, I said that uh, 65% come out from Africa. If I, if I went out to an African mine, mm-hmm. could I buy a diamond and then bring it to England or uh, go to Hatton Gardens and sell it directly to them? Or is there some sort of paperwork because in my mind it's what's it called it is um, it's a lot of uh, um, how would you say in my mind some it's a closed of, off industry yeah, it's shrouded in ambiguity yeah I don't I, I don't feel like I could actually just go out there buy a diamond come back and sell it exactly exactly so mm. uh, I'll answer it in two ways would you be able to buy a diamond at, uh, from a miner? I'd say absolutely not. Uh, what we mentioned earlier, they're monopolized. So what De Beers did is they didn't just monopolize the mining of diamonds, they monopolized also the manufacturing of diamonds. So they have giant factories, that cut, shape, and then they export them. They also own the last part, which is retail. So they own the whole industry from straight to the ground, manufacturing, cutting, and polishing, and then also selling to... Uh, to to retailers, so diamonds not so much. However, uh, coloured gemstones is something that it's a developing industry mm. um, that you can definitely get involved in. Uh, if you know, I would say first thing is educate yourself a little bit. There's lots of articles you can read and uh, resources. Uh, and I can speak from uh, from my background. I come from East Africa. My family's from Kenya, Tanzania, Somaliland, Ethiopia. I have relatives all over, so I'm always travelling in between it's very easy for you to, to come across gemstones once you do. Uh, please, please interject. And ask so how did you get become passionate about it? What, what was your first introduction to this? Uh, my first introduction is uh, surprising. Uh, is uh, I would travel. I am very well connected uh, to, to, uh, to, my, to my country of uh, origin where my, my grandfather's and my father came from. So I'd always travel back to, to, uh, to Kenya where my family's from. Uh, my father worked as a civil servant for quite some time. He worked in the Ministry of Mining. So on the weekends or when he was working after school or during half term, I'd always go with him to the office, sit there and see what they're doing, pick up some paperwork and read it. He'd, he would send me to like uh, trade shows and workshops. I was, I was there like a 15, 16 year old kid would be like, oh, okay, cool. Look at all this stuff. They would take us on little trips to, to mines. And that just sparked my curiosity. Later on in life, I got a little bit more of a formal education, uh, which helped me out uh, in terms of understanding how the industry works. Uh, how to identify, like, how can I tell what's a diamond, sorry, what's, a, what's a, an emerald as opposed to a green piece of glass, what's synthetic, what's uh, uh, natural, what's a fake, what's a real. So that, that helps you in that sense. But that's a little bit of my background. And yeah. What, what, what was it? What's the, what was it? Was it called what you studied? To, to gemology. Yeah, yeah. Gemology. Gemology. So uh, we have a school called Gem A, the Gemological Society of, of Britain which they have an office in Hatton Garden. They do a really good course over there. <laughs> There's a, an equivalent called uh, GIA. So uh, you'd always see our famous musician friends uh, showing off their diamond chains and they have certificates. So they produce certificates of authenticity. So GIA, these are big educational organizations that have studied. Uh, they own laboratories where they test and they come up with standards. So they do courses as well. So the two most famous ones are GEMA, which is Gemological Society of Britain, and then there's the international or the American standard, which is GIA. They provide certificates as well. So, so you can only learn that in Hatton Gardens, you say? 
Or can you go to that? Any, not, not really. I would, I would say if you want to work in a lab, uh, then yes, that's what you would need to do. However, uh, if you're like a, for myself, a lot of the stuff that I learned theoretically wasn't really, I'll be honest with you, like 90% of it was good. It wasn't really as Useful. applicable because it's like in sterile conditions. Mm. When I went, when I was in a mine or in, on the field, when someone wants to sell me something, they would give you rough crystals. And those are very easy to tell. Like uh, tourmaline crystals look a particular way. There's no, you don't even have to test it. You can just see it. If you've seen like two or three before, you know this is a tourmaline. Yeah, of experience then. Yeah, yeah. You, you would literally just look at it like a... So going back to what I was saying about how if you as an individual wanted to try uh-huh. uh, step into this market, you would go and start a study of this geology. Yeah, you, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even necessarily study that because that would give you a bit too much technical knowledge where you wouldn't need where you're testing cut gemstones. Okay. Uh, what I'm interested in is now the, the value added to... There's a lot of like, uh, they're called artisanal miners. So people who literally just own a farm, they'll dig something up, be like, all right, cool, I've got this shiny thing. Mm. I want to sell it. And they're selling it all the time in like uh, in the capital city and different markets. You'll go, you pick some up, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And the closer you are to the ground, the easier it is to identify because they come in a particular shape. So crystals are distinct. Some of them come in tube shapes. Some of them look like uh, pyramids. Some of them, they really are distinct, right? So you, you won't get confused if you know what you're looking for. Uh, once you've bought that and you say, okay, this is relatively clear enough. There's uh, four standards of what makes something uh, good quality. So you later on, once it's cut, you would you would look at, they're called the four C's. Maybe your listeners have heard of these. Clarity. Yeah, clarity is one of them. Uh, maybe you want to take a guess at some of the others. Uh, clarity. Uh, ca- Don't be shy. Carrot. Carrot is yeah. great. That's, a, that's definitely one of the C's. Uh, I'm, I'm all out of ideas now. Yeah. Real jump in, man. Come on, um, outside, man. <laughs> not necessarily diamonds but think of like uh, color gemstones what, what would what would give it like a it's in the name color yes oh color, <laughs> color yes color yeah. okay so if, if, if you're looking for something that's uh, an emerald let's hypothetically take an emerald that's something that I love particularly emeralds are green emeralds right? are green but green. what makes a, what makes some emeralds more expensive than others so the quality emeralds they come from a family called corundum so corundum is like the the umbrella term Green corundums are emeralds. Blue corundums are aquamarines. Uh-huh. Uh, and you have other color as well. I think red will be the, the rarest. I don't think that necessarily has a name. They're really hard to find. But if I was now in uh, Ethiopia or if I was in Kenya or if I was in Zambia, the particular kind of color that you're looking for would be uh, green, of course, but with a secondary hint of blue. So mm. that will be like, oh, you've, you've hit the jackpot there. That's, yeah. what the, that's what the one that Queen owns. Those I forgot how much it um, how much it's worth. It's must be in the millions. Yeah, it's one of the most expensive. Like she's basically taken a good chunk of Africa with her. Oh man, let's not talk. Let's about not that, talk about that. But <laughs> that, one, that, one, that that's a, that's another topic. We'll talk yeah. about that in the future in the coming days. We'll be talking about that colonialism and all of that. Yeah, definitely. But uh, so yeah, I'm gonna jump on the flight now. You're on a flight. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that. Diamonds are washing up on the shores in Somalia. Is it, is it correct? That's what I heard. Uh, in lots of places, not just not just there. So um, really, there's a. They are brought up from the ground and they're washed up. Essentially, the probably some of the best quality, I'd say, sapphires and and, and, uh, and garnets, other types of gemstones. They wash up on riverbeds because in, in Somalia. In lots of places, in, in Kenya. So Kenya. You, you would see so, the same way, the old-fashioned way. You know, people right. used to have the. 
the pans and they used to sieve for yeah, gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The exact same so I've caught a flight to Kenya now. Yes. Because I've heard that they're washing up on, on, on the riverbeds. Somebody's a bit dangerous for you. Go <laughs> somewhere safe, my <laughs> so, so, so I've got my protection, protected yes. by God. Yes. I've got off the plane in Kenya. Got your healing what, stones. Yeah, got my, I'm going to go and I'm going to go purchase some healing stones from a farmer that's found them on the riverbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've, I, I've, I've stumbled across a farmer. Yep. He sold them to me for dirt cheap. Yeah. I've now got them. You've got them, yeah. So I could just put that in my pocket and get on the plane and come back home. You would get arrested for that uh, oh. if they catch you. Chances are they won't catch you, but I'm not encouraging this. No, no, no. Be official. You don't want to be a, a, a brown or black colonialist yourself uh, ripping out stuff from, uh, from the motherland <laughs> without paying due. No, there's something called dividends. So you would go to the Ministry of Mining. There's also people called authorized dealers, so they can give you a certificate themselves. Um, so, for example, if you buy it from the farmer, yeah. you can go to a dealer themselves. They'll give you an authorization. Any dealer? Any dealer. That's well, like what, you just find like a jewelry shop? Uh, not or, so much a jewelry shop. They're like the people who sell to the jewelry shops. So it's so the government. Exactly. They're the so like jewelers will be like uh, on the high street. So they're not necessarily going to the field. Okay, like there'll okay. be somebody who sells to the jeweler. So you'd go to them, or you can literally just walk into Ministry of Mining building yourself in any uh, capital head. Uh, like just find the Ministry of Mining. Ministry of Mining. For Kenya. Fill in some paperwork. They will now value it. They would weigh it. They would say, okay, this is worth. Uh, I don't know. X amount. Five hundred dollars. Uh, royalties are five dollars. They'll give you a certificate. Then, when you are now going on your plane or back to, back London, to London, back to wherever your home city is, yep. if it scans through, you know, you put your bags through the X-ray yep. machine. If they are, oh, oh, sir, what's this? Uh, did you get this from here? You'd be like, yeah, here's my paperwork. Thank you, sir. Okay, goodbye. So, give them the paperwork they got from the Ministry of Mining from the, from the country that you bought it. Exactly. We. And then now, so now I've got, I've, got, I've made it back to London. Mm-hmm. I'm now. Am I going to go to Hat Gardens or am I going to go find? Someone to cut it first. Exactly. So or no, am I going to just give it straight to Hatton Gardens? You wouldn't give it to them because they would deal, they're like the very end of the the the, the market. So okay. the industry, they'll be the very end. They're the retailers. They sell to the customers. So they need something that's cut, polished, finished. It's so uh-huh. a very high quality. So, so now you've come from Africa, you've back in London. My advice to you is you can get it cut in London. However, the cost of labor is expensive here. Uh-huh. So you'd have to go to areas where they specialize in cutting which unfortunately this isn't back in our home countries or this isn't in Africa. You'd have to go to areas like Asia where you get a good cutter who's trained relatively well that will cut it for a good fee. And then also to a high standard, you're selling to European and, and the US market. They demand stuff of high quality. High, high quality, yeah. So that makes high, sense. I understand that it's, 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 it has to have eight sides, right? On a diamond. There's different cuts. There's different okay. cuts. So there's okay. different cuts. Uh, probably the most famous is a round cut. There's a marquise cut. So there's different cuts. So they're, they're called faster gemstones. So there's essentially two types. So uh-huh. there's rounded gemstones. I've got some examples I'll show you after the show. Okay. Uh, those are, you literally We're going to put this on, on our Instagram page, hopefully, so you guys can see it as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. So uh, first type is rounded gemstones. Uh, they're, they're called, uh, it slipped my mind. We'll talk about faster until it comes back to me. So faster gemstones is exactly what you mentioned. Their cut gemstones are usually those are like the best of the best. Those are like mm. top quality mm. ones. Uh, they don't have that many imperfections. You can see right through it. It's got good transparency. And those are the ones that sell for the most money. So you would go to, you would take a flight from London. Now you've relaxed back in London. You go to Bangkok, let's say. But I need to get another certificate from London or it's good enough the mining certificate that I've got from Kenya. Uh, some, if you take it to a particular jeweler that has a gemologist who's qualified, you don't yeah. have to give them a certificate. They can see it themselves and they can say, okay, I can identify this is real. You're selling me a real emerald. 
I know this is not fake because I can check if it's fake. Okay. But some some of them don't have qualified gemologists in there. They're just people who just sell, sell and buy. Yeah, okay, okay. So they can't identify. So for you, when you're in Thailand, this would be my recommendation to you. When you go back to Thailand, you go to Sri Lanka, you go to India. Unfortunately, these are the places where they've specialized in cutting and also they have laboratories as well. Mm. They will test it for you. They'll give you a certificate. On that certificate, sometimes they even put valuation. They'll say, this gemstone that you bought for $500 is worth $8,000 now. Okay. So you have a rough ballpark of what you want to sell it for. Okay. So you've got a cut over there. You've got it back in your pocket. You've you've bought 50 grams of diamonds. Sorry, I apologize. Emeralds. You've got them cut. You've got the certificate. It's polished. It's looking good and shiny. Mm-hmm. Bling, bling. Bring it back. Then you go to Hatton Garden. You'll be like, oh, hello, Mr. Jeweler. I've come back from a recent trip. I've started off my own business. I'm an independent contractor. I've got good quality stuff. Your products really speak for themselves, really. Yeah, these guys yeah. are not going to travel there. Uh, these, are, these are my jewels. What do you think of them? This is the price I want to supply you. I travel back and forward. You've made a decent profit. Um, so that's, that's the process that you'll go through. If they have their own gemologist, they'll inspect it themselves. Mm. If you have the certificate, the certificate from certain reputable laboratories, they'll just say, okay, cool. Well, I know this is from GIA, Gemological Institute of America. This is real. They've tested it a hundred different ways. This is legit. They've given a, a certificate that can't be faked. Yep. They'll buy it from you. And now you've made a tidy profit from uh, a nice trip that's not very hard to do. No, not at all. And uh, you've uh, you've added value and uh, it's, it's good having diversity in in the industry. It's not necessarily monopolized by uh, people of a certain select, background. Yeah, yeah. Select Even in Europe, it's people from uh, from Jewish backgrounds because it's passed down, Armenians, yeah. passed down from generation to generation to yeah, generation. Yeah, father to son. Exactly. So we want people like yourself, myself, our young listeners to, to get involved. They travel back to their countries. If they do, quite regularly. If they don't, um, it gives them an incentive. This is a simple import-export business. You tick all the right boxes, fill in all the right forms. Of course, you'll be educated. It's no different. To, it's a little bit more complicated than going to China and buying products from there and bringing it here. You know what's good, what's, uh, what's popular, what's going to sell. Mm. Is it found there? You bring it back here, fill in all the forms, make a tidy profit. And uh, profits are relatively handsome. Um, yeah. So if you have but any questions, please let me know. I'm guessing the profits depends on your knowledgeability, your knowledgeability on what you're selling because you can obviously be robbed by the person you're bringing it to. Mm. They could devalue it and say it's not worth something. No, but you said to- that, that when you get a cut, they give you a... Estimate, right? So in you, Thailand or yeah, there's a there's a India. there's a whole nother level called appraisal. Right? Okay. So when you're now getting it cut, you yep. take it to a laboratory. So the guys who give you the certificate, they also have an additional service, which is I don't know, like two thousand baht, which is as if I'm talking as if I'm in Thailand now. <laughs> it would be their local currency, which would be like a, maybe like a hundred dollars or something, right? Okay. So you pay for that certificate, and on that they'll give you a separate piece of paper where they'll give you an estimation depending on the cut, clarity, color. And carrot, they would say, okay. As if they're going to buy it. Exactly. They'll okay. say, this is now, this is the appraisal. So now when you go to a third party to sell it, they can't say this thing is worth $500. When you know it's worth $50,000 because you've okay. got it appraised. Mm. Right? So the third party will give, so you have that rough ballpark. And then you can say, maybe I can sell for 10, 15% under. I only spent $1,000. Now I've, I've made enough of a profit. So it's something along the lines of that. So you can always get it appraised by a third party group that have no interest. They're not buying from you. Because if someone's going to buy it from you, they always want to okay. lowball you. Lowball, yeah. Get. Now, a question. Does, um, you, obviously you can see how um, the price of things going up and down. Does the price of the gemstones go up and down? Not as much as gold, surprisingly. 
because it's not really they're relatively scarce. So they're not as they don't fluctuate that much. If anything, steadily they grow uh, rarer and rarer over time. The only thing that will dramatically affect the pricing of uh, particular gemstones is if they discover a new mine. So sapphires are relatively rare. Like good quality sapphires come from the best quality sapphires come from a place called Kashmir. Um, that's in India, right? That's a, that's in India, Pakistan on the border. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, up in the mountains, they have like the best quality. Uh, there's sapphires that are found in other places as well. They're good, but they're not that Kashmiri good. Okay. You can tell it's from Kashmir. Okay. It's like the Colombian emeralds. You tell it's this is the Colombian stuff. This is the good stuff. Uh-huh. Right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I've just realized, no, not that kind of good stuff. <laughs> uh, good quality emeralds. Uh, so you could tell because they have a particular type of inclusion. So if now somebody discovered in, uh, in Morocco or in Algeria or in Egypt, they discovered a particular mine, ah, okay, now, but these don't happen that often. People don't just discover like new deposits every other week. It's like maybe like 50 years they'll find a new deposit of something. Mm, mm, yeah. So that, is it more that they stumble across it or they're actively looking like that? It's like, like how they're actively looking for oil. They're, they're actively looking for it. So you have okay. prospectors, ex- exactly the same process same as thing. oil. Yeah, exactly. So they would look at the geological uh, structure of the earth. Mm-hmm. So they look at like, uh, you look at where you find this particular type of stone, you would find this particular type of gemstone because they kind of grow in pairs. Okay, okay, yes, yeah, yes, so yes, yes. Certain uh, places that have like a lot of volcanic activity or a lot of like geological activity, like hotspots in the world and those tectonic plates around those areas, that's where you get because essentially where do you get heat and pressure is when these tectonic plates are pushing against each other, mm-hmm. pushing apart from each other or pushing towards each other. That creates a lot of pressure. A lot and of heat. Pressure, yeah, pushes up. Friction. Friction, exactly. So places like Myanmar produce the best rubies, for example, uh, historically. But now Colombia was thought to be the best sapphire. Sorry, um, emeralds came from Colombia until they discovered a massive gem in Zambia. So it's called the Kajems Mine. K-A-J-G-E-M-S. So now they're rivaling the... Colombian. Colombian mines. In my neck of the woods in Ethiopia, they've discovered uh, emeralds that are equally as beautiful, but they haven't really been able to mine them that well because it's an expensive process to do commercial mining in Ethiopia. Mm. And Ethiopia is also not exactly the most stable. It's political factors, civil war going on in places. So that doesn't allow, but civil wars don't last forever and these gemstones aren't going anywhere. They're going to be there 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line. That's the good thing. So... We don't have to benefit from it now, but maybe our kids' generations will benefit from it. So if, they, if they're educated and they're familiar with it, it's something that they can participate in and help develop, train people. Maybe one day one of us can have our own cutting facility there. So when Tom, Dick and Harry comes over, they don't have to go to Thailand to get it cut. When I come to my facility, we'll cut it for you. Yeah. And where, where you found it, where you bought it, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So do you think it's worthwhile really investing yeah, yeah, and it's, it's it's not really a lot. You don't have to invest speculatively. Do it as like a as a, a hobby. A, a, as a hobby, start off with like literally a thousand dollars. Like a thousand dollars. When I go, can to, you start off with a thousand? So if I had a thousand pound, I could actually start off with, in the trade sh- for sure, for sure, for sure. It's not something that's like heavy. I'm not telling you to start mine. I'm literally just telling you to, <laughs> if you wanted to start mine, you need definitely a lot more. But when you go there, there's literally people on the roadside. You go to a market. They're selling it there. And you're like, okay, cool. How much is this? We've got a box of very delicious uh, uh, desserts over here from, from, uh, that have been made really well. So somebody will come with, I'll tell you a funny story. They came with like a, an Asda shopping bag full of gemstones. They poured it on a the table, tell me, pick which one you want. I was like, I was baffled. 
I said, where was this here? This was uh, when I was in Africa. Oh, okay. So this was in 2019 last time I was there. So, and I was like, what? He's like, okay, it'll be better if you bought a lot of it. But sometimes you don't want to buy so much. You just want to pick the particular the ones because there'll, there'll be a lot of like, uh, maybe not so good ones in there. Mm-mm-mm. So I picked up maybe like... Um, a lot of offcuts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I picked the particular good ones that I like. People there are genuine. They won't tell you. Yeah, maybe out of mistake, they would think this green gemstone is a, is a garnet and it's not a garnet. Maybe it's something else, but it's definitely another gemstone. Heineken bottle or something. <laughs> Thankfully, in my part of the world, they don't drink so much. I think alcohol is banned, so that saves me the Heineken bottle. But yeah, yeah. Um, you'd go there, you'd buy, I bought maybe for like $500. I bought quite a lot. And then I could sell that, or I sold that for like $5,000. So I made times 10 relatively Ooh. easily. Okay. So right. even that small amount, like you could just make a, a good profit. It will cover your trip quite comfortably. And then you, with experience, next time now you've made... $5,000, let's say, you come back. Your next time, you'd spend, instead of $500, $1,000. And I keep referring to dollars because it's just like, that's the global currency. Yeah, People yeah, just are comfortable yeah, dealing yeah, in dollars. Yeah. Pounds, like, well, what's pounds? But everyone understands the might of the, the US dollar. Yeah, of course. In your previous episode, of course. If, if not, they'll make sure you do. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. So, if, I, if I'm really interested in this uh, uh, gemstones and possibly, like you said, wanted to become a, uh, a seller or or provide to the the end customer hat and gardens that what book would I would you recommend me to pick up and read uh, I'm just looking at one now it's there's a, a book that I have it's called uh, gemstones understanding identifying and buying by Keith uh, uh, Wallace uh, from FGA so he FGA basically like a it's like a the equivalent of a PhD or it's like a qualified person in, in gemology so okay. this is pretty good so it tells you like how to identify uh, the value the history you, you come across a, a number of gemstones in there it tells you like where certain gemstones are found in high abundance uh, but yeah uh, visit your local markets when you go visit uh, particularly Africa because it, it's growing up in Asia the industry is definitely more mature there mm. with the maturity comes with a lot of negatives as well so if you go and somebody wants to sell you a sapphire they might sell you a glass-filled sapphire or lead-filled sapphire. Yeah. So these are enhanced products where... It's not selling, pure. Exactly, it's not pure. Right. But when you're buying it from somebody that's so close to the source, mm. generally they don't make fake stuff over there. It's, it's really hard. They, they, they possibly don't even know how to. They don't know how to, yeah. 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 Uh, because uh, you can get like entirely fake sapphires that are lab-made that even if you test them, will test exactly like a sapphire. So it's very hard to tell. Really? Yeah, yeah. So they're anatomically the exact same chemical composition it's just they're made in a lab so they're identical it's like cloning but you can tell through they're a bit too perfect so when you look at them ah. they don't have like imperfections and little dots and inclusions those ah, okay. are so they'll be so, so so if you go to get it tested it'll be too perfect yeah yeah like even lab grown diamonds there's no like imperfections in them you look at them you're like well, this is a bit too good to be true okay and the way they grow them they grow them in a particular way they start off with a powder they heat it up and then they drip it down so you can see that the growth pattern is in a particular way okay. so if you look at okay, lights okay, okay, okay. okay so but if you test it in the we've got like a little piece of paperwork here of different methods 10 methods of testing Nine out of those methods will tell you this is a sapphire. This is like sapphire, X-ray and so forth. Real, real, real. Exactly, exactly. Unless you know you got the experience exactly. of what you're looking at, yeah. when you walk up, you'll just be like, "This is too good to be true," and you walk away. Exactly. Or somebody will sell you something that there's another trick that people have in the industry, which is pretty funny. Uh, a jeweler's best friend is something called a loop. So I'll pass this round to you guys. You can have a look at this. Is something you're definitely familiar with. It's like a small magnifying glass. 
So this is what you'd always see people looking at stuff with. Yeah, so yeah, they put it on their eyes. They always see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So pass this around, you have a look at that. So this essentially is your bread and butter. So this is what you would look at. And those inclusions are the giveaways. Oh, so that's what, so they're, they're that, that the magnifying glass thing, they're looking for the imperfections, in deformities. Exactly, because you would never find like a crystal clear emerald, for example. Emeralds are, no, no, pass it around, keep it, keep it, hold of it. Um, yeah, so emeralds always have a particular type of thing. So if someone's trying to sell you something that looks like emerald that is an emerald. So you'll be looking at like sort of the cracks. Would, yeah, they're called uh, fractures. Fractures. And, and there's other minerals that are in there as well, where it grows from. So you see, you see small little black dots and those patterns and those cracks form in a particular way. So some of them look like lily pads, some of them look like horse tails. It's like, okay. They okay. So that's what they're looking for. Because <laughs> before I thought I was looking for like clarity and like to see judge the value and things of that nature. But I understand now. Yeah, There's yeah. so much. I more. honestly thought it was a Hollywood drop. <laughs> no, <that's laughs> I, I, I didn't know. I thought it was all done by machines and they just bounce light through it and read the light scales. I didn't, I thought that, that, that magnifying glass that they put in it, I was some sort of Hollywood prop to say, yeah. it's a shirt to say like, oh, they're inspecting this diamond. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something that you can carry on the field. So like if somebody gives you something, you put it in the light, look at it. There's a few other things. This is called a, Pass this round as well, spectrometer. So you look through here and then you'll see the light spectrum. So you shine a light through the gemstone, look through this, and then each gemstone has their own spectrum wavelength. So the, you won't see the full rainbow. You'll see like parts of it missing. So you, oh, so but that's, you might not see red or you might not see blue. But that's the thing. Only um, spectrum of a red glass, you pretty much see red. The rest of them, you see a rainbow. You see a rainbow. You would see a particular type of line, like an iridescent line. In gemstones that are coloured by a particular chemical called uh, chromium. So chromium is okay. like, yeah, yeah, it yeah. looks almost radioactive when you look through this. So if, if you shine this and look it through, like a, if I had a torch, I would shine it through here, uh, this, this tool, you would see the full rainbow. If I now shine the torch, but in between the torch and the, the object, I would put a gemstone, you would see part of that gemstone spectrum because it's coloured by particular chemicals that block out. So you might only see uh, red and orange example. Exactly. Or you would see... Uh, half of it blocked out. So you can kind of tell quite easily. So if it was a fake, what would you see then? Uh, example, uh, uh, really the easiest one, the old, most old fashioned way to tell like a fake emerald is we have something called a Chelsea color filter. So this is like a same kind of like polarizing filters. Oh, that you on glasses, on sunglasses, yeah. But this is a specifically made one. So you would uh, have like a glass, sorry, like a light box. Looks like this. Yep. Sorry to the listeners. Uh, maybe we'll take pictures. No, of these we are. Later. We are. We are going to put it on. So, uh, guys, you see, you switch this on. Yeah. You put mm. the gemstone on there. You look at the emerald under the filter. So if it's a real emerald, it would it would be a particular color. If it's fake, I believe it uh, it glows like orange. Sorry, orange or pink. So okay. it's distinct. So you're okay. not, this is a fake one. Because uh, in the early 1900s, there was like a, the market was flooded with like fake emeralds. So they, mm, these mm. guys in London decided to come up with this. Ah, oh, we can tell. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's a, a few methods and technique. They, they have chemical compositions and these chemicals react mostly through light, uh, f- but they also react through filters and, and, and other things, even just by looking at it. So those are m- some methods of identification. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing, man. That is you know what thank you for coming today Mo yeah and uh, hopefully we're going to put these pictures up on Instagram so yeah. you guys can see it yourself and our advice are we advising them we're doing it yeah we're doing it if you've got some money saved up pick up the book that we, we told we'll put the book on the Instagram as well 
and maybe try pick Small it up as a hobby pick yeah. it up pick it up as a hobby see if it works out if it works out carry on if it doesn't just just enjoy enjoy the process you have some healing crystals that won't heal you but <laughs> <laughs> nothing ventured nothing gained 100 percent. it's worth being involved yeah thank you thank you for coming today man thank you so much guys i yeah. appreciate yeah. being invited and to all the listeners we'll see you again next week all the best peace